Alright, clock him. What was his time? E... 37 seconds, sir. Are you kidding me? That's like 7 seconds off the rest of the field! You know what that means. Oh great, another field filler. Welcome to the NASCAR Field Filler Podcast. Get all your news, results, and updates on NASCAR every week on this channel. You've tried the best, now here's the rest. Let's fill the last row with our host, Vanilla Wafers. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the bottom of the field as well as the back of the playlist. This is Vanilla Wafers, and thank you for tuning in to the Field Filler Podcast. It is almost time for the second doubleheader of the NASCAR 2020 Cup season, where they'll be going to Michigan International Speedway. They'll be racing a race on Saturday and Sunday, so we got to go over our picks and see who are the best drivers to go for in your fantasy live team. There's also quite a bit of news to cover for this week because we got a lot of news apparently with contracts and also scheduling. So everything just came out this weekend, so might as well cover all that. Lastly, it is National Root Beer Float Day, and you know what? I am pissed about it. Not because I'm on a diet. I'm still going to drink a root beer float. You kidding me? You think I'm that strict on my diet? Get out of here with that. But no, it is because Front Row Motorsports, who usually runs the A&W paint scheme car, is not running it this weekend. It's just like... You had the perfect opportunity to run this car. I don't even know if this is their sponsorship anymore. But you know what? It is what it is. I am pissed off about that. But I'll cheer up after I look at the rest of the the news, hopefully. Let's just hope so. It's not tragic news. So let's just get into it. This is this week's news in the NASCAR world. Alright, so here's the biggest news regarding race teams, and that involves with Levine Family Racing. As you guys have probably heard, on August 4th, it was reported that Levine Family Racing sold to another team. The team will compete for the rest of the year, but after the 2020 season, they will be no more. It's kind of a bummer, because this team has been around for about nine years. I knew they only raced like five races at a time with like Scott Speed when they first started, but then they moved on to a full-time season with Michael McDowell, Matt Benedetto, and then also Christopher Bell as we just saw and now I'm just wondering how much is Christopher Bell trying to hope to get into the DMs of Joe Gibbs racing he's just like "Mm, mm, mm, fire Eric Jones put me in that car baby we'll see what happens but Really, I was trying to look at the transcripts and see if there was any more intelligent stuff that they talked about this, especially with the owner. And the owner didn't really explain anything. They're just like, uh, excuse me, who did you sell the team to? Uh, I can't answer that. Okay, how much did you sell the team for? Uh, I cannot uh, give you an exact amount. All right, uh, how do you feel about this? Uh, I can't talk about my emotion. It was just ridiculous. I was just like, come on, just give us some news. But the main reason why they sold is because their main sponsorship, which is WRL Construction and other partnerships, just really got affected horribly during the coronavirus pandemic when we did a lot of shutdowns and we're still in a shutdown. So they hope to race in the future. I don't know when. And as far as it looks like, it looks like the team has been bought out by number 77 of Spire Motorsports. You know that team that bought out uh, the number 78 team of Martin Trex Jr., those guys, and did absolutely nothing. They do got a victory, but it was a rain-shortened thing. I'm just like, Christopher Bell's got to be thinking, oh, please, please, Joe Gibbs Racing, for the love of God, just take me. I'm, I'm so much potential, so much. Do not put me with that team over there. We'll see what honestly happens with this number 95 team, but one thing's for sure, Bob Levine will no longer be with the team after the 2020 season. 
All right, probably the biggest news regarding race schedule is right here as we just got NASCAR just announced the final installment of the 2020 race schedule. For all you guys that were hoping, oh, it's going to be a crazy schedule here for the playoffs. They're going to do a bunch of crazy shit. Oh, I can't wait for it. Well, keep waiting because we got the exact same races. It looks like nothing really changed as far as the Cup Series went. Looks like there is going to be a double header for the uh, Xfinity Series and it looks like there was also some added races for the Gander Truck Series. But other than that, it was mostly the same. Uh, the first race for the playoffs is going to be Darlington starting on September 6th, Sunday. And then you'll also have the Richmond race right after on September 12th. And the following week to round up the first round of the playoffs will be at Bristol Motor Speedway Saturday, September 19th. So two Saturday races and one Sunday race. Then round number two, they will be racing at Las Vegas Motor Speedway September 27th. The next week they head on over to Talladega Super Speedway Sunday, October 4th, and then they finish the second round at the Charlotte Roval on October 11th. Round number three consists of Kansas Motor Speedway on October 18th, then we will have Texas at October 25th, and rounding up the round three is going to be Martinsville on November 1st, and then rounding up everything, including the Truck Series, the X-Fandy, the Arkham Menards, and the Cup Series, it's all going to be at Phoenix International Raceway. From Friday to Sunday, the Cup Race being Sunday, November 8th at 3 p.m. on NBC. By the way, all these other races will be either on NBC or the NBC Sports Network. The only ones that wouldn't be on there are the ARCA races, some of the Gander Truck Series, and the Xfinity races. Some of them will be held on Fox Sports 1. You can get all the information on jski.com, but it looks like the playoffs are set, and for the rest of the 2020 schedule is finally set. Let's hope nothing else changes. Hopefully, we can actually have fans there, because I plan to go to at least one of these races. But if it doesn't happen, I'll just blame the government, so we'll move on. NASCAR has also announced some changes to the lineup procedure for the playoff races and implementation of choose rule for most races. What that means is NASCAR will incorporate the choose rule into the restart procedure for all National Series races except those held on road courses and super speedways, Daytona and Talladega and the Charlotte Roval. Now, if you guys don't know what the choose rule is, that was what they implemented in the All-Star race. You know how we start double file in NASCAR? And basically, if you were first, you were on the inside or outside, you got to choose. But every row back, if you were an odd number, say third, fifth, seventh, ninth, and so on, you were on the inside. If you were fourth, sixth, eighth, tenth, you were on the outside. Now this choose rule is where they're going to put a cone on the back straightaway, and drivers can pick which um, line they want to start at. Because some tracks you're good on the inside, other tracks you're good on the outside. And a lot of people were doing a lot of gambles on pit road to get out at a certain spot. They don't got to worry about that anymore. The higher you are, the further you get to choose. So you could have five people choose the outside and one person choose um, the inside. And it's perfectly fine. So I think that's a cool little rule here. Now, as far as the lineups go, this is going to hurt my brain and it might hurt your guys' brain as well. NASCAR will reward both season-long and single-race performance to determine the lineup and pit selection using owner points positions and the finish and the fastest lap from the most recently completed race. The metrics will be weighted and averaged to establish the starting order. Points position will be weighted at 35%, finishing position at 50%, and fastest race lap at 15%. When the playoffs begin, playoffs cars will fill the top starting positions. For instance, in the round of 16, the top 16 starting positions will be playoff cars. In the round of 12, the top 12 starting positions will be playoff cars, and so on. So, 
Okay, so they got this weird metric system on how they're going to set it up. So basically, if you finish 10th in points, that's going to be uh, determined 35%. And then your finishing position, let's say you finish uh, 8th, that will determine 50%. And then if you were the 12th fastest guy, 15%. So maybe you'd start on average 9th. I can't do the math in my head. This is giving me a headache. It's actually giving me a migraine. Ugh. I'm glad I'm not setting up this. Hopefully, some of that made sense. I just read it the way it was supposed to be read, so hopefully that made sense to you guys. We'll just have to see how the starting lineup looks for the playoffs, but one thing's for sure, if you're in the playoffs, you will start in the front, so that's the only good news coming out of this from what I see, but yeah, try to figure that one out in your head, because I had a hard time figuring it out as well. And for everybody who's excited about the Indianapolis 500, which got delayed to August 23rd, which is going to be competing against the second race at Dover International Speedway. Ooh, some strong competition. I'm a diehard NASCAR fan, but you bet your ass I'm not going to miss the Indianapolis 500 for the second Dover race. But besides that, uh, Rick Rare Racing, which is a team owner who runs about three cars in the Cup Series, says they're going to compete at the Indianapolis 500 with Dale Kahn Racing. And who's their driver? None other than James Davison. Now, who's James Davison? Well, Davison has been a guy who's ran a couple races in cl this year, including the two races at Michigan International Speedway. His best finish, I think, was a 33rd place finish, and good news is there's only 31 cars entered into the Indianapolis 500, so he's going to get his best finish this year regardless. However, he did finish 12th a year ago, which is his best finish in the Indianapolis 500 and the last five runs he's done here. So maybe he'll do good, but it is Rick Rare Racing. I just want to share this news because this is a NASCAR race team, so for them to compete in the Indianapolis 500, hey, good job. I don't see you winning the race, and I don't see you finishing in the top 10, but hey, good for you. And this is a bit of breaking news. It only came out about three minutes ago, but I got to talk about this. Is Toyota executives talk about keeping Christopher Bell. Now, we just heard in the news just a little bit ago the sale of Levine Family Racing, which is probably going to go to Spire Motorsports. And Spire Motorsports usually runs Chevys. They might switch on over to Toyotas, but either way, it looks like Eric Jones has been doing contract uh, talks with uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. So that is in effect. So the, he's trying to do everything he can to secure that number 20 car. But now Toyota executives are talking about keeping Christopher Bell. So now the question is, who's going to be driving that damn 20 car? I don't know right now. I mean, Toyota executives are going to be there just like, well, we run the manufacturer, Mr. Joe Gibbs, which means we want Christopher Bell. Get rid of Eric Jones. While Eric Jones is over here just like, um, I got good sponsorship and I've been running really well. You might want to keep me for another year. That'd be neato burrito. So it's going to be very interesting over there in the Joe Gibbs camp on who they're going to go with. I don't think they're going to really uh, do a technical alliance with Spire Motorsports. Apparently with this, that's uh, obvious that they're not going to do that. So... A lot of interesting things happening here. This has been a big hit for Joe Gibbs Racing for sure because this was their developmental driver and their developmental team. So, I don't know. It's going to be pretty interesting to see here, but... We also got some news regarding Bubba Wallace. This is a little bit of later news, but I never covered on it, and that is where is the number 43 car going to be next year, and where is Bubba Wallace going to be? Because right now there are some talks that Bubba Wallace might be going to that number 42 car due to the McDonald Alliance as well as other sponsorship that he's bringing in. 
looks sounds like Matt Kenseth was only going to do a one-year deal and he was going to be good. But now you have the number 43 team of Richard Petty Motorsports offering partial ownership of their car. It's like, holy cow, they want this guy bad. And for a good reason, because... Yes, Bubba Wallace is not the top driver right now. It's obvious. However, the one thing he's bringing in is sponsorships. And sponsorships really trump all in those middle teams. He is going to be able to provide that. And maybe with better equipment, he could be more competitive and make it into the playoffs. He's obviously not going to make it in with that number 43 team, it looks like. Because that team's been struggling for a very long time. Maybe make it into the Daytona race, the race before the playoffs. But even then, it's just like everyone else is going to be doing that too. So everyone almost has an equal chance on that. So I don't know where Bubba Wallace is going to be. But for sure, it sounds like he's going to be with another team next year. Which is great for him. I mean bringing in a lot of sponsorship he gets to keep his cup career going but where he's gonna go well that's still up in the air we shall see in the future and last bit of news alan day he's a driver who ran the number 23 car a couple times says he's interested in cup races at the daytona road course and the charlotte roble he has nothing in plan yet and he's hoping to make a last minute deal cool And that's the last bit of news for this week. I mean, there was a lot of good news regarding the schedule as well as new rules being implemented and where drivers could potentially be. There's a lot of stuff up in the air right now, so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens here in the coming weeks. But for now, let's focus on Michigan International Speedway. We got two races to cover on since they're running them both back-to-back, which means we got to figure out our picks for our Fantasy Live team, so let's get into it. Alrighty guys, we know the game, we know how it works, we're going to go over 15 drivers, some of them are going to be top dogs, 5 of them are going to be top 10 guys, and 5 of them are going to be dark horses, we're going off the NASCAR Fantasy Live, which means you can only pick 6 drivers, you're going to garage one by the end of the race, who is the best 6 to go for? And the reason why I separated out like this is because you don't want to use everybody, the top dogs, all off the get-go. You can only use them 10 times in the season. That's why I separated out like this. Let's get into it. Let's see who's the top dogs. That's who we're going to first start off with. And it's going to be a Joe Gibbs driver. It's going to be the number 18 of Kyle Busch. His last five finishes here have been 10th or better. He scores on average 40 points. Now, obviously, take the consideration that they have been doing practice and qualifying, which has really affected him. And he also let us down a bit in New Hampshire, but I feel like he can bounce back on this one and get you a good solid finish. Could it be a top five? I can see it happening. Um, he did it in California. Granted, there was practice there, but he is a good person to keep as a top dog. Martin Trex Jr. is another one, his partner. He did really good at New Hampshire. Wasn't a contender to win the race, but he still got that top three. Same with Michigan, 4th, 3rd, 14th, 18th, 2nd. That one time he finished 18th, he did only score 19 points. And the time he finished 14th, he still got 29 points. So he did have a good uh, stage points to back him up there. So he just really was a bad finish. His average points is similar with Kyle Busch with 40 points. He wouldn't be a bad guy to go with because he's starting to turn around, starting to get a little bit better. I would maybe put him above Kyle Busch, but they're almost in a dead heat. The guy with the best point average, no surprise here, Kevin Harvick, driver of the number four. 
What's not to say about him that we've said all throughout the year? He's a really good driver. He scored on average 46 points here at Michigan in his last five races. Here's his last five finishes. First, seventh, first, second, 13th. Even when he finished 13th, he still scored 41 points. And one of those first places, he scored 60 points. He swept the board. If you've used him a lot, I understand, but this would be a good time to use him for at least one of these races. He's going to give you a good amount of points. I would trust him way more than I did at New Hampshire. He's definitely going to provide stage points. Kevin Harvick, um, definitely a top dog. Brad Keselowski, driver of the number two machine, is another person who fits on this list. He has finished 19th, 6th, 2nd, 6th, 17th. There's some couple of rough finishes there, but that 17th, he scored 39 points. And when he scored 19th, he had 26 points. So he actually gets a few stage points, and his average has been 35. I'm putting him here because he has a good average, and also he's working on a bit of a momentum after the win in New Hampshire. I say put him on the list. He's going for victories right now, and he might be able to get another one here at Michigan. And let's include his partner here, the number 22 of Joey Logano. Has a higher average than him, 37 points. He won here last year. He got a first place, scored 50 points. The other finishes, 17th, 10th, 7th, 28th, 3rd. I'm not sure what happened at the 28th place finish, uh, so I um, kind of put that one away to the side. But when he finished 17th, he scored 34 points. When he finished 10th, he scored 32 points. He's also the same with Brad Keselowski in a sense, just a little bit of a higher average. So those are your top dogs, Kyle Busch, Martin Trex Jr., Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, and Joey Logano. Let's look at the top 10 guys. Chase Elliott is actually here on the top 10 guys. Now, he does have the highest driver's rating. However, his average finish has been 8th place. And look at his last few finishes here. 9th, he did get a 20th. And then 9th, 9th, 8th, and 2nd. So, he's definitely more of a top 10 guy. Um, this may be a good racetrack to put him in. And the simple reason for that is he does have a higher driver's rating. And it's almost a guarantee he's going to get you a top 10. So, take that into consideration. Make sure you still have him saved up for the road course races. If you only got 3 picks with him left, I would save him for the Daytona races and the Charlotte Roval or at least Phoenix, I would use those over this race here. However, if you got more picks with him, say like five more, maybe take a gamble with him. Put him here on the Michigan race. Denny Hamlin is another guy who's in the top 10 list. Uh, his average has only been 31 points here. However, great momentum, great season. It's hard to keep him off these lists. He's finished second, 11th, 8th, 12th, 16th. So on average, he fits right around there, similar to Chase Elliott, just a little bit up and down. I'd say more around 9th or 10th. I think he's going to do better than that. I think he'll get a 6th or 7th place finish. I don't think he'll be contending for the win, but still another good top 10 guy of Denny Hamlin. Kurt Busch is actually the best guy here in the top 10 list, and let me show you the reason why. Yes, he does have a 23rd place finish. That is his last finish here at this racetrack, but the other ones have been 2nd, 6th, 3rd, 11th, an average point score of 37. He really likes this track, and at a track that's similar to this, California. Where did he score? In the top 3. How many points did he get? 40 points. He does really good at these super speedways. I would put Kurt Busch on your list. Uh, out of everybody in the top 10 guys, he's the best one to put on your list. Eric Amarola in the number 10. I just got to put him on here because of his consistency. I mean, he's just doing great right now. He finished 8th at California, scored 36 points. Now, last race he did wreck, and then the other finishes have been 17th, 7th, 11th, and 12th. Not counting that wreck, he has on average 30 points. 
which is still really good because remember he was with Richard Petty Motorsports with one of those races still finished 12th place so definitely going to get you a top 10 if you want to keep using him go right ahead I understand completely but make sure you're not going below like four or three picks with Eric Amarola you may want to save him because he's definitely going to be a contender for the playoffs to make it into the round of 12 maybe even the round of eight the last guy I want to include is the number 12 of Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney just barely makes it onto the top 10 list, and here's the reason why. Average point score, 34. It's been pretty good, but it's just been his up and down this summer. He's either He's been running against the front, yes, but he cannot finish, and California is a perfect example of that. Contending for the win, finishes 19th with 37 points. I mean, he's all over the place. I don't think he's going to give 40 or more points in this race. I say maybe 38 points would be right around where he's going to be just because of where he's been uh, consistency-wise. I say he's more of a top 10 guy. If you want to use him, there is a chance that he could score maybe 48 points, but I feel like he's more of a 38-point guy, and I would not want to use Ryan Blaney for just hoping to, for him to get 38 points. So that's my top 10 list. We got Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, Kurt Busch, Eric Amarola, and Ryan Blaney. Lastly, the Dark Horses. Alex Bowman fits on this list, not just for the win at California, but he also has some pretty good averages here in the last four races that he's been with the number 88 team. 10th, 10th, 19th, and 16th, averaging out 27 points. So he's been on a top 10 streak. Um, he's just right there, probably going to finish maybe 11th or 12th, I feel like. But he'll still get stage points. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's not going to get only 27 points. I think he could potentially get 30 points in this race. And Alex Bowman has been one of those other guys who kind of been affected by the pandemic. But he really liked California. Maybe a good dark horse to go with here. I, I don't know. I mean, with, uh, with the first place at California and then also the consistency with top 10s might not be a bad guy to go with and Cole Custer in the number 41 fits on this list and it's not just for his Xfinity average points of 38 here's the reason why I include him on the list with the number 41 car for the last five races this is Daniel Suarez and Kurt Busch in this car they have finished 11th or better scoring an average of 33 points and it's just been the 41 car I mean, and when Kurt Busch got out of it, he did struggle in one race. He did finish good in the other one. And then Daniel Suarez was continually getting, uh, I think he got sixth and fourth. That's how good he was doing. So I think the 41 could get a top 10 here. I'd say that would be a pretty good dark horse to go with just because of that number. And also his teammates have been doing really good. He's been getting a lot better. I say go with him. Maybe rely on that top 10. I'm pretty sure you guys haven't used Cole Custer that much. This might be a good race to use him or two races. Austin Dillon in the number three is another guy that I included on this list. He is, I think, 10th for the driver's ratings right now. And there's a good reason. It's because he's been pretty consistent on his finishes except for one. 13th, 26th, 4th, 14th, 7th, scoring on average 28 points. He he does really good at this race. And also, uh, he's really good at scoring stage points as well as we've seen in the last few races. I mean, he's locked in with that win, but he's still trying to get good finishes. Obviously, you want to make sure your team's ready for the playoffs. He might be another good dark horse to go with. So keep an eye on the number three as well. And let's include his teammate as well. Let's put um, the number eight of Tyler Reddick, scoring in the Xfinity average of 38 points, similar to Cole Cut but I'm looking more at his California 
California result. He was the only rookie who did really good in that race. He finished 11th, got 26 points. Obviously, he's more um, experienced in the Cup Series, obviously compared to five races, now to about 25 races. He's starting to really get his rhythm in the number eight car. He's doing everything he can to make it into the playoffs. The number eight car is going to do everything he can to finish in the top 10 or better. That's his way to make it in. So keep an eye on him. He actually might be really good in this race, especially if he did good at California when he was really, really green in the Cup Series. And then lastly, I'm going to include William Byron and the number 24 car. Let's include the two guys on the bubble, Tyler Reddick and William Byron, because William Byron finished eighth last year in this race, scoring 38 points. And then the next race, he finished 18th with only scoring 22 points. Now that sounds bad, but his other race, he wrecked, so I'm not counting that one, and then he finished 13th with 28 points. His average is 29, which beats Austin Dillon and Alex Bowman, so he does fairly well at this track, and if him and Chad Knauss are going to start working together, being stronger at these races, I mean, you got a good top 10 car for sure right there. I would put William Byron in there if you're looking for someone in the dark horse. Him, Tyler Reddick, and Cole Custer may be some really good ones to use. Heck, Austin Dillon and Alex Bowman wouldn't be too bad. There, there's some actually some really good dark horses here who would be potentially giving you a lot of points going into this race. So that's my 15 list. Kyle Busch, Martin Trex Jr., Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano. Those are your top dogs. Your top 10 guys are going to be Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, Kurt Busch, Eric Amarola, and Ryan Blaney. And your dark horses are going to be Alex Bowman, Cole Custer, Austin Dillon, Tyler Reddick, and William Byron. Those are my 15 lists. Guys who missed the cut were... Clint Boyer with an average of 18 points. He did get a win, but it was a rain-shortened one, so I'm not going to take that one too much into consideration. Ryan Newman just barely missed it with an average point score of 26. New Hampshire, he kind of let me down, so I wasn't going to put him as a dark horse. Jimmy Johnson's average has only been 21. He did score 7th in California, but 21 points in Michigan? Uh, that's a little bit far-fetched. Matty Bandetto with an average of 14 points. Um... He finished 13th at California, and the 21 car scores on average 26 points. If he does finish as the regular 21 car goes, he'd still be below the dark horses. Ty Dillon, 18 points average. Bubba Wallace, 16 points average. McDowell, 12 points average. Ryan Priest, he did finish 7th last year, but his average has been 26 points, so a little bit below. Stenhouse, 15 points. Chris Buescher, 24 points. I mean, if you want to take a real big gamble on these guys, I would maybe look more at Ryan Newman or Ryan Priest or Chris Buescher. But other than that, I really don't see these guys doing much. So that's why I did not include them on our list. All right, so my pick. So I'm going to do something a little different. So since it is a doubleheader, I'm only going to use Kurt Busch and Eric Amarola for both races. The other ones, I'm going to use Kevin Harvick for one, and then I'm going to use Martin Trex Jr. for another, and maybe Brad Keselowski for two times. So that's my top dogs and my top ten guys. The dark horses, I'm going to use everybody except maybe Tyler Reddick. Um, I'm going to switch between Cole Custer and Austin Dillon in the first race, and then I'll see how the other guys finish. Other than that, um, I'd say watch the first race and then see how they do in the second race to move around. As far as the observers go, they're sending their picks to me. I'm being truthful this time. I swear I'm being truthful. They'll send them to me, and then we'll see how we all do on Monday. So those are our picks. Let me know how you guys do, and let's see how much we kick ass in the Fantasy Live for Michigan Air National Raceway. Guys, one last thing before we go off. Um, this channel has now hit 500 downloads, and 
I cannot be more happier. I mean, something just took off in the last couple of weeks. I don't know what it is, but thank you guys so much. I've had so much fun doing this. It's been a lot of fun. And honestly, for all those people who've been listening every single day, you guys are the best. You guys are what kept me going with this. And for the new people coming in, welcome and thank you all so much. This has been so much fun just being able to talk about NASCAR and helping you guys out with your fantasy picks and keeping you guys up to date. I've had so much fun and I appreciate it and it goes all to you guys. Thank you. And I'm going to do one quick thank you so much for listening to the best and trying out all the rest. I have been able to fill up the last few remaining minutes of your time. So I'm going to take the car and pull it right on into pit road, collect my last place winnings, and I am out. So you all take care. This has been the Field Filler Podcast. <laughs>